Hey everyone, good morning. Hi Lisa. If you're on, please say hello. I I, I love to interact um, just because it's fun. Don't you just love, I love to connect. I love community. It's just a beautiful thing. Hey, I want to talk um, this morning about a, a few different things, and but I want to start in a space of intimacy, understanding that um, what we are intimate with is going to determine how we live our life. Um, and the thing is, like, we are made for intimacy. Hi, John. Oh, my gosh. He's flirting. Um, we're made for intimacy. We are made to to gush in, in love, honestly. But um, no matter what, we are seeking intimacy. No matter what the... Um, the, the affection is toward, we are, we are going after that. It's the same way that we are made to ascribe worth to something, right? Like we are, we are made to worship and um, it's the, the, the matter is the object of our affection that, um, that we are um, really like fixated on that matters. And um, so I, I had, I had this moment this morning when I was getting ready where God starts talking to me about these different things that, that we do. And so I want to unfold that. And I promise, like, this might feel a little bit disjointed, but I, I think that it's going to come around and we're going to understand it better. I want to start in um, a, probably a more familiar space of scripture, 2 Corinthians um, chapter 5, one of my one of my favorite spaces because there's so much hope in it for me. And um, it's such a good reminder of, of who we are and what our intention and purpose is as those who are taking dominion on the earth, right? We need to, we need to be careful about how we think about ourselves and what our intention and our purpose is, why we exist. Our, our existence is so that we will take dominion over what God has given us, right? And not so that we can lord it over people, but so we can invite more people into the goodness that God has for us, right? So let's start in um, verse 11. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 11. And we're going to read through 21, so hold tight. Since we are those who stand in holy awe of the Lord. Oh, you know I can't just like breeze past that because this is what's important. He says, since we are those who stand in holy awe of the Lord, this lays the foundation for everything that Paul is about to unravel for us, right? Because we are those who stand in holy awe of the Lord. So first and foremost, I want you to ask yourself, are you standing in a place of holy awe before the Lord? I'll give you a couple of seconds. Where are your feet right now? This matters. It matters very much. How you're going to, to live out the rest of this Friday is going to depend on where your feet are. Are you standing in a space of holy awe before the Lord? Because if you're not, then don't even listen to anything else I'm saying. This doesn't apply to you. Get your feet, get your mind, get your heart in a, a, a space that, that you're standing in holy awe before the Lord, okay? Thumbs up if we're on the same page, okay? We make it our passion to persuade others to turn to him. Again, and I'm going to overemphasize this, just deal with it. Like only 
only if you're already standing in a space of holy awe before the Lord, are you going to be able to persuade others to turn to him. I think that what we've done as the church, and I am talking universally as the church, the bride of Christ, um, is we have have used passion toward other things. Because remember, we are made to ascribe worth. We're made to live out um, this this life of worship. We're worshiping something no matter what. So there is passion that's attached to our lives simply because of the way that we were created. We are created to ascribe worth. And so there's passion attached to it. And if we are not standing in holy awe before the Lord, then that passion that is, is brought about by whatever it is that we're standing in awe before, it will persuade other people to whatever our preference is. So if I'm not standing in holy awe before the Lord, and and I'll be the first to admit it, like I'm not always in that space. I want to be, that's where my heart is. It's like, I, I just want to be there. I want to stay there. I want my feet to just like dictate where I'm going to be. But the thing is, is that, you know, I get distracted and, and there's a lot going on at all times around me. And I make bad decisions at times and my feet aren't always there. However, what I need to recognize is that then that becomes my preference. Wherever my feet are, if I'm fixated on, let's just say my health, because health right now, let's just admit it, seems to be the biggest thing that is is talked about right now is, is our health or lack thereof. So if my mind is like fixated on my health, like, oh, I feel this, I feel that, everything is going wrong, blah, 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 blah then that's going to become my preference. And every conversation that I have is going to be passionate toward that. And I'm going to persuade people, oh, she's paying attention to her body. So therefore I should probably pay attention to my body. You see what I'm saying? Like, and this could, this could be anything. I'm just using that because, you know, we are living in this pandemic time where everybody is fixated on health. Um, Let's go on. We know that our lives are transparent before the God who knows us fully. And I hope that we are also well known to your consciences. Again, we are not taking an opportunity to brag, but giving you information that will enable you to be proud of us and to answer those who esteem outward appearances while overlooking what is in the heart. Verse 13, if we are out of our minds, I love this. If we are out of our minds in a blissful divine ecstasy, it is for God. Another translation says, if I am outside of myself in ecstasy, it's all God's fault. Right? But what is this, what, what is this derived from? Right? We've got to go back to that first line in verse 11, since we are those who stand in holy awe of the Lord. That enables them to be outside of their minds. How many of you want to be outside of your mind for just a second? Right? Like sometimes we're so riddled with thoughts that we don't know how to function outside of our thought life. And he's like, if we're outside of our minds in blissful divine ecstasy, it's for God. It's because we have chosen to stand in a space of holy awe before the Lord, right? But if we are in our right minds, that's for your benefit. If I'm able to function as a human, that's that's for your benefit. Oh my gosh, I love that verse so much. For it is Christ's love that fuels our passion and motivates us because we are absolutely convinced that he has given his life for all of us. Oh, that's interesting, isn't it? Are you absolutely convinced that Christ has given his life for all of us? 
Are you? Are you absolutely convinced? You need to be. Because um, if we are not absolutely convinced that Christ has given himself for all of us, the rest of this does not apply to you. Okay? All right. This means all died with him. So that those who live should no longer live self-absorbed lives, but lives that are poured out for him. The one who died for us and now lives again. Verse 16. So then from now on, we have a new perspective that refuses to evaluate people merely by their outward appearances. Does this mean by what they wear? By the clothes that they have access to? Uh-uh. We're talking behavior here. We're talking about things that are manifesting here, right? So then from now on, we have a new perspective that refuses. Are you refusing to um, evaluate people merely by their outward appearance? For that's how we once viewed the anointed one, but no longer do we see him with limited human insight. Verse 17, now, now. If anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new creation. Say, I am a new creation. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Have you allowed all that is related to the old order to vanish? Have you done that in your own life? Have you allowed all that is related to your fallen sin nature to vanish? to be non-existent because you're unfolded into Christ? Have you taken on everything that is his or are you still relating to your old nature? Good question. I mean, it's a really good question. Behold, everything is fresh and new. Is that your perspective? Is everything right now fresh and new? Are you seeing everything all around you as, oh my gosh, opportunity? right? And God has made all things new and reconciled us to himself and given us the ministry of reconciling others to God. I love that. And we need to understand the weight of what it is that that is being said here. And God has made all things new and reconciled us to himself. What does it mean to reconcile something? We have to know this. What does it mean to reconcile something? To align? To line up? Right? That's what it means to reconcile. And we're talking about God here. God has reconciled us to himself. To cause us to align with his holiness. To take on his attributes, his character, his righteousness, his holiness. We need to be careful of the areas of our life where we're in a disagreement with God. Because if you're viewing yourself as less than someone who has been reconciled by God to God, we're in a disagreement, right? In other words, it was through the anointed one that God was shepherding the world not even keeping records of their transgressions. And he has entrusted to us the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God. So then, turns out that it's your job to open the door for others to be reconciled with God. 
by the way that you live your life, by the way that, that you stand in a space of holy awe before the Lord, right? That becomes your job. That becomes who you are. You are opening the doors to reconciliation. And this is why I was saying, like, listen, if you're unwilling to stand in a space of holy awe before the Lord, and if you're unwilling to see yourself as reconciled unto the Lord, unto God, then don't go any further. Like, don't listen. This does not apply to you. Because the problem is, is that we use our influence for unholy purposes. And I want to share something with you. Okay, remind me that we're in chapter 12, or verse 20, not chapter 20, chapter 5, verse 20. Okay, that's your job. You have a job here. I was, as I was getting ready this morning, I was thinking of what was popping in my mind was like God specifically was saying the words unholy criticism. And I was like, whoa, what is this about? And he's like, unholy criticism is laying hold of the realm of darkness with our God-given authority, Right? Like unholy criticism is laying hold of the realm of darkness with our God-given authority, right? So we're taking the power that has been gifted us, but we're laying hold of the wrong realm, right? Like be careful where your feet are positioned. This is important because we're using our authority that God has given us to lay hold of realms of darkness when we are utilizing unholy criticism. And what do I mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is I want you to survey your surroundings right now. Is there anyone sick or sin bound? Maybe they're not measuring up to your standard of what life should look like. I'll give you a second. What are you doing with your judgment function in that space? Where are you positioned? See, we all, listen, okay, from like 2005 through about 2014, and, and now it's resurfacing again, the, um, the, the, there was this major emphasis on judgment. And, um, oh my gosh, they're so judgmental. Anyone ever heard that? Or being afraid of um, of walking into a space and there being judgment, right? This this is real. Like this this happens, and I realize that this can be used for in the uh, the uh, realms of darkness or or the kingdom of heaven, right? Like there are really there's two there's two options here, um, and and what what happens is is that we we either use judgment to hold people hostage to their fallen nature. Or we use judgment to reconcile people unto God. Actually, we're reconciling no matter what, but there's either a, a holy way of reconciling people unto God, or there is a way of reconciling people unto their fallen nature. And um, and and so don't be afraid of judgment. I'm bringing this up because I don't want us to be afraid of judgment. We have a judgment function that is built in to, to our, our created self, right? When God spoke us into existence, he knew what he was doing. Like we needed to have a judgment function. So don't be afraid of judgment. It's given to you for wisdom's sake, right? So what I'm saying is, is like utilize that judgment function, recognize what is going on. Like, why am I being drawn to this person, the sickness, the sin bound nature, whatever's going on in the people around you? 
but don't fixate there. We, we tend to use our power, our authority, and then allow the realm of darkness to usurp it, to hold people hostage. When we, when we are utilizing unholy criticism, which would be gossip or slander or whatever it is, and, and we, we decide like, you're sick because, or you're, you're, um, you have a sin habit because, that's, that's allowing the realm of darkness to usurp what is actually intended to allow us to reconcile people unto God. So here's what I want us to understand is that if you have eyes to see, if you have eyes to make this judgment in the first place, it's actually your responsibility not to pin them to the sin nature, to this old nature, but to lead them into their God nature, right? I know this sounds so absolutely simplistic, but we unknowingly, fall into unholy criticism all the time, all the time. And I want us to be mindful of where our thoughts are leading our words to um, hand down judgments that pen people to their old fallen nature, right? Because if we're going to agree with 2 Corinthians 5 at all, we have to change our minds, right? Either Jesus did what he did or he didn't. He either completed it or he didn't. He either gave birth to new creation or he didn't. There's 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 no other way to look at this. There are no, you know, um, every stream leads to the same river. That's not true. That is not true. There is one way. Jesus is the way, right? We know this to be true in some space within us, but we don't live as if it's true. So our job is to reconcile, to notice, to survey, right? To notice, but then be so mindful and be so on it because we are the ones who are standing in holy awe before the Lord that we're like ready to rip that person out of the grips of those realms of darkness and into the light of the kingdom realm where they can be rightfully reconciled with God with their divine nature. Anybody love this? I love this. I, I'm infatuated right now with this idea of, oh my gosh, we are so powerful. We are so powerful and we don't even know it. We are, we are laying hold of the power that has been gifted us every second of every day but we are not mindful with how we are distributing it. Your ability to judge in the first place comes from God. It's what you choose to do with it beyond that that matters the most. See it, but then know what your job is. Know what the ministry of reconciliation is all about. Right? I think that this is important. Um, let's finish reading this guess what? I remembered where we are. <laughs> Verse 20, we are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ to the world as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. Wow. Don't you want that? 
guys, I, I want that. I want that for you. I want that for me to be able to, to carry the message of Christ to the world as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. That's union, right? That's, that's union. That's oneness with God. That's that enfolding into Christ where I, you don't know where I begin or, or Christ ends. Like it is, it is him and me and me and him, right? Let's go after that kind of intimacy. So we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf. Are you working on Christ's behalf? Turn back to God and be reconciled to to him. For God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us so that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. It's the whole point that we take on his righteousness. Notice that it doesn't say that we learn how to earn a space of righteousness. It just says that we take on his righteousness. It's nothing that can be earned. You can't earn it. You can't be good enough to fall into righteousness. You lay hold of it by faith. This is who he says that I am. Therefore, I am. The only way that you can stand in holy awe of who God is, is if you're going to make an agreement with who he says you are. Because you cannot rightfully ascribe worth and value to who he is by thinking that you are a worm, that you're pathetic, that you're fallen, that you can't get it right. You can't. You cannot stand in holy awe of him until you agree with who he says you are. And we like to look at this and think that we're arrogant, that we're prideful, that, you know, I need to think a little bit less of myself in order to to be in right standing with God. Um, That's also unholy criticism. You're not allowed to slander yourself, but we do all the time. And I know that so much of this is, is habitual, like we have just allowed it to go on and on and on that we don't even know when we're doing it anymore. And the thing is, is it's, it is such a slap in the face to, the, 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 to what Jesus accomplished to the cross, right? Like he did what he did so that we would, we would stand as those who know who they are. Not so that we could think less of ourselves. Not so that we could fall into unholy criticism. So we have to, we have to be those who are willing to fall into intimacy over and over and over. And I understand how overwhelming and intimidating the intimacy of the Lord is. I get it. I had this, um, I had an encounter the other day while while working with um, a friend and um, we just, we started off in, in prayer, just, there was just such a pull to prayer. And, and I feel like the, this vision that I had in this moment was definitely for her, but also I feel like God is just ripping that thing apart and going like, what else do you see? And in this vision, and I want to start, actually, I want to back up a little bit about, um, gosh, it's probably been two months ago now. 
uh, maybe not that long ago, I I saw in a, I was in a space of worship and I saw um, on one of the the main roads here in my town and this this street sits between the municipal building and um and the where um i think they hold court there and they have their um their city meetings in this other building across the street so the street is in between those two buildings and i saw this door just floating there i know like visions are weird and this door was just cracked open and there was this golden light just flooding out of it. And, and, you know, I just noticed it. I didn't feel like God was really wanting to like reveal anything else. So I'm just aware, right? I'm aware. And this, this space is only like a block and a half from um, where I'm at right now. And um, so this, this, this other day when this, this new fresh vision um, was happening for me, this, it was the same road. It was the same street. And, um, but there were caution signs all around. And then there were the barricades um, outlining a sinkhole and in the middle of the road. And what I realized after the fact that, you know, sometimes it takes me a minute to catch up with God. Right. And, um, but where the sinkhole was is exactly where this door was. And um, I, I, what was happening in this vision was like this idea of, um, of the enemy, the, the defeated enemy, like someone say he's defeated, right? The, the defeated enemy was putting up these caution signs and these barricades and, and, and causing this, this idea that there was danger and pending danger ahead. And there's a sinkhole and, and do not enter kind of thing. And it was nothing but doomsday for those whose feet are planted in this realm of darkness and, and they see everything that is actually intended for us to, to seem as if it's a, a, a caution zone and, and, and to be careful and don't enter and, and all of this. But what God was showing me was that when you're actually standing in the kingdom of heaven, the, the, the realm of light, you, you can realize that this is the enemy, the defeated enemy overplaying his hand again, right? Like this is what he does over and over because he has no access, no real access except for to lies, right? Or accusation. And um, so what he's trying to cover up as a caution zone, as a dangerous space is actually, and this is what God was showing me, is that 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 sinkhole is actually a, a doorway to deep, deep intimacy. We're talking the, the bridal chamber intimacy that is talked about in Song of Songs. And I'm just going, oh my gosh, right? Like we, right now there is just this beautiful, and I would even say bountiful invitation to intimacy for us to be face to face with the father. And I really feel like it is with the father. I feel like sometimes in different seasons, like I am more attracted to a, a different, um, uh, like, you know, the Trinity, the three in one, like the Holy spirit or Jesus or, or the father. And I, I don't have language for this. Like I I'm finding myself in spaces of worship and I'm going like, I don't know how to cry out to the father. 
you know, anybody else ever been there or you're like, I don't, I don't know that I have language in worship before the father. My, my worship has tended toward Jesus or, or Holy spirit. And now like all of a sudden there's this ache in me and, um, and it's for the father. And I feel like it's this intimacy that the father is drawing us into of, of being face to face with him. And I know that it's, it's him needing to reconcile us unto himself for this season that we're entering into. And that there is this, this realm of intimacy that we're all being invited into. And here's what I'll tell you is that I can see that there's a vast majority of people that only see the caution signs. That can, that can only recognize the sinkhole, the impending danger. And um, because we have allowed ourselves to function and operate from that realm of darkness, like we can actually um, identify more closely, more intimately with the realm of darkness than we can the, the kingdom of heaven right now, the kingdom of light, because of, of what we have taught ourselves um, throughout time, like it's all habitual. But what I know God is saying is like, when we, when we say yes to this invitation of intimacy, and you don't have to know anything to say yes, it's just it's, he's extending this invitation to come before him and to feel his heartbeat, and, and to hear his deep, intimate thoughts towards us, and to take on his mind and, and his his heart towards us and humanity and, and to just see into his face, the beauty of who he is and to, to feel his, his heartbeat for his children. That's all it is. It's saying yes to that first. Like what happens once you get there? I don't know. It's just going to be like so personal to you, but, um, but recognize that the things that feel like danger right now, ask Ask Holy Spirit for eyes to see because this is where we're at right now. There, there is a season of the, the defeated enemy overplaying once again and, and causing us to believe that this direction is dangerous, where it felt like, like for many of us, it felt like this is the direction we're supposed to go. But um, then all of a sudden it's like, ah, no, chaos, confusion. Um, caution signs, sinkholes, whatever, right? But God is just saying, ask me for my eyes, right? Like, give me eyes to see. Open my eyes that I can see. It's it's like that story with um, Elisha where he had the, the servant and the servant was freaking out because they're going into uh, enemy territory and Elisha has this this ability to hear the the plans of the the enemy that they're fighting against, and then Elisha's like, "God, open his eyes so that he can see that greater are they that are for us than they are against us." And suddenly, he sees all around him the angelic that um, are infiltrating the the space that they were in. And so that's what I'm asking for us right now, that our eyes be opened up to be able to see what it is that God has for us and that we don't really need to pay attention to those caution signs. They're just a mirage because, and the only reason we can see them again is because of where our feet are. So be mindful of where you are positioned. If you have been caught up in a grumbling space right now, just confess, just be like, God, deliver me from this unholy criticism. Deliver me from, from this, this grumbling and, and, and help me to turn my face back towards you. 
And that's all that, that repentance is, is turning around and agreeing with God. And then all of a sudden you're going to see, I just know, you're going to see the whole landscape open up and you're going to see it completely different. And you're going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And scripture is going to start just, pop, I can see it like illuminating and popping off the pages and, and you're going to have an insatiable hunger for the things of the Lord. And, and you're just not going to be able to get enough. I just know it. And your dreams, your night season is going to shift. You're going to suddenly be flooded with, with dreams that you're going to have to like sit with the Lord in and have him unveil all the meaning, meaning that is in your dreams. And it's all going to be beautiful. And you're just going to be so taken with the Lord. And then you're just going to realize, oh my gosh, I stumbled into intimacy and I didn't even know it. <laughs> it's going to be a great season, you guys. If it's not good, it's not God, right? Because all that he has for you is goodness. If you cannot survey your land and find goodness, you need to ask for your eyes to be opened. Bottom line. Okay. Can we make agreement? Let's make agreement. Right now, I want you to put in the comments that I am changing my mind. I'm changing my mind right now. I want to see the gold. I want to see the goodness. have to make the agreement you have to say yes to the invitation and the thing is is like we need to admit that we have a habitual problem of unholy criticism and I don't want to live there anymore I'm taking on the responsibility right now that if I can identify a problem then I have the authority and the power to be the solution and I'm going to open up the door to reconciliation so that that person has the, the opportunity that I have had to see themselves in God. It's Christ in me that is the hope of glory. You should say the same thing about you. Right now, I just bless everyone that is listening, whether it's now or later, I bless you. And I pray that your eyes would be opened right now, that you would see the, the hand of the defeated enemy and that you would, you would just, uh, uh, that you would just, I just, I don't even play card games or poker, but I just, I just feel these words like that you would, that you would raise him with the goodness of the Lord, that you would, you would just be so blatant with playing with the goodness of the Lord, that you would begin to identify, just blatantly identify that this is, this is a lie. This is the accusation of the defeated enemy. And that, that you would be able to just like defeat this tactic and the scheme with the goodness of the Lord, that you would be reconciled unto God that you would see yourself the same way that he sees you and that you would find yourself standing in holy awe before the Lord. Amen. Amen. You guys, I am so excited. I, I, if I had the opportunity, I would like host church right now. <laughs> I feel like we need a worship session. So anyway, I, I bless you. I, I bless you greatly and have a fantastic weekend. I'll be spending mine in a gym and, um, but that's okay because it gives me opportunity to play with this to play with reconciling people unto the Lord. Oh my gosh, what a privilege. Count it a privilege. Love you. Bye.